this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Look at your neighbor and tell them that you are glad to be here today. Tell your other neighbor they're looking good. All right. If Anissa, is Anissa here? If she would stand real quick, give her a round of applause. As Pastor Mike said, she is one of our missionaries to Haiti, took five kids with her, and uh, we're just proud of what she's doing uh, and all that. So anyways, talk to her, give her a hug, give her some money, whatever. And uh, anyway, hey, we're glad that you're here today. And uh, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here and just so excited about sharing for all the weekend services. We want to do, we want to remember to keep uh, Pastor John in our prayers, Miss Linnell. They were in Mississippi for Christmas visiting family and uh, Lord willing, he'll be back next week, and I know he's looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, he sent us a text a few days ago that said both him and Miss Linnell had the flu, so uh, pray for them, amen? We're just going to pray healing in Jesus' name. Uh, he needs to quit kissing on his wife, and, and that won't happen, right? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, how many people had an amazing Christmas? Amen. Well, hopefully you had a, a great Christmas. I'm telling you, I love this time of the year. I love to be able to spend time with family. More important than anything, I love to just be able to celebrate the season and worship Jesus. How many people know that's what it's about? Uh, I mean, all this other stuff, presents and Santa and trees, they're great, but Jesus is truly the reason for the season. And uh, But hopefully you had a good time just being off for a few days. Hello. How many people enjoyed that? Okay. Uh, getting a few presents, you know, spending time again with family and friends, eating. Anybody? That's my favorite pastime, always. Uh, I checked the scale the other day. Uh, I'm going to have to work out for uh, you know, a few years to, to get back to get back right. Uh, but we have a few young kids, Whitney and I. Uh, we have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. We have one on the way, and just they're young, and it's just magical right now for Christmas. You know what I mean? The lights and the Christmas trees and, and the songs and all this stuff. And uh, my daughter, Aslan, uh, all she wanted for Christmas was some baby dolls. And so we got her a few baby dolls. She got this little stroller. She's been all over our house, just like pushing the stroller around, stopping and burping the little baby and giving the baby a bottle and telling us to be quiet, you know, and uh, getting ready for, for our little one that's coming in a few months. Uh, Gabe, on the other hand, he's five. He's all boy. All he wanted was swords and nunchucks and, and all that stuff. And uh, y'all pray for us. We got him a little junior uh, bow and arrow. And, and so uh, we're, we're praying that works out okay. But... Uh, Listen, if you're a parent of young kids or you remember this, you remember like there was always that one present that your kid just really wanted. I mean, everything else was just kind of like, you know, uh, decorations, if you will. You get them some clothes and you get a few toys, but there was that one present that they've been talking about for a long time. And when they open that present, how many people know it is over? All they want to do is play with that gift. If it's a bike, man, they don't care. They want to go outside. It can be dark. It can be, you know, rain and snow. And they want to go outside and they want to play with the bike or the doll or the sword or whatever. That special gift, they just want to go for it. Doesn't matter that they hadn't eaten that morning. Doesn't matter that they don't have socks or shoes on. They just want to go. It doesn't matter about the other gifts. My daughter got one of these gifts that she'd been wanting, and she still had a few more presents to open. She could care less about the other presents. She just wants to play with that gift. Are you following me? They want to go for it. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Look at your neighbor and say, go for it. I really believe that this is a year that God is calling us, every single person in here, I believe that he's calling us to go for it. 
I don't believe this is a year to just wait back. I believe that this is a year to hear from God and to go do what he wants us to do. So this morning, we want to look at a story in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we're going to look at a guy by the name of Jonathan in the Old Testament, and we're going to see a story where Jonathan goes for it, and uh, God does great things. So uh, before we jump in, kind of here's how it's going to go this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read several verses about this story. Then we're going to do a little background, and then we're going to look at some points. And again, today, I really believe that God has something special for us. Whether you know it or not, here in just a few hours, we're going to go from 2018 to 2019. I don't know how the year went by so fast. It seems like we were just here a few months ago, and we're moving out of 17 into 18, and here we are, 18 is basically done, and we are moving into a new year, into a new season. And I believe that God has something special for us this year, but let's listen to him and let's find out what it is. Amen? Let's pray, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that you love us, you care about us, you brought us here today, number one, to worship you and to lift you up. God, secondly, we're opening your word and we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Your word is alive. Your word has something to say to us today. And God, I pray that every single person here, our ears would be open and the spirit of God would speak to us. God, I pray that this word would hit its mark. Lord, I pray that you would use the voice within my voice to communicate to us what we need right now and grant us obedience to follow it out. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. First Samuel chapter 14, this is several verses here, so follow with me, and uh, I think we're going to like it. It says, one day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave of Magron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. It goes on to say that the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the past by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of one of, of, one of them was Bozes. The name of the other was Sine. Verse six says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go to them. But if they say, come to us, then we will know that the Lord has given them unto our hand and this shall be a sign unto us. Verse 12, and the men of the garrison, they hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and they said, come to us and we're gonna show you a thing. Basically, they're saying, we're gonna teach you a lesson. Come over here. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them unto the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. They killed them after him. And the first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, they killed about 20 men with as it was half of a furlough's length in an acre of land. Then there was a panic in the camp and in the field and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders, they trembled and the earth quaked and it became a very great panic. Verse 16, it says, the watchmen of 
Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin, they looked and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see who has gone out from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they were not there. Verse 20, then Saul and all the people who were with him, they rallied, they went into battle and behold, every Philistine sword was against his own fellow. And there was a very great confusion. Verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day. Can we say amen? That's a lot to read, all right? But basically, kind of to summarize what just happened, uh, Jonathan is in a bad situation with all of Israel. We'll get into that. But they go over to this Philistine garrison, and these two men, they end up fighting 20 Philistines, and they win. The Bible says that they kill them. Well, the Bible says because this happens, a great panic takes place, and these Philistines, they begin to fight one another. The Bible says that God causes an earthquake to happen, and all of a sudden, there's just man on man, and this great thing is happening. Saul sees what's going on, he jumps in, and the Bible says that Israel, because of God, wins a great victory, okay? So that's kind of the summary of that story, but what I just read isn't kind of the whole story. I want to look at a little bit of background leading up to what's taking place. The story I just read was from chapter 14. I want to look at a little what's going on in chapter 11, 12, and 13. When we pick up in this story, Israel is in a bad situation. They're hiding basically among caves. They've been trapped by the Philistines. The Philistines basically control this area. The Bible says in chapter 11 that uh, the Israelites, they beat the Ammonites. And after they beat the Ammonites, King Saul is pretty prideful and he's excited and he He's like, you know what, let's go fight the Philistines. Well, the Bible says that they win one little battle, but then the Philistines, they begin to rally. They begin to call people in. They begin to assemble. The Bible says in chapter 13 that the Philistines have 30,000 chariots and 6,000 men on horses, and Israel doesn't have anything close to that, okay? That is a problem, all right? So basically, the soldiers, it says in chapter 13 that they're afraid, that they're quaking. They know that they are greatly outnumbered. So basically what happens is they're sitting in this kind of stronghold. There's caves all around them. The Philistines are gathering around them. Like I said, the Philistines control basically the whole area. And so they're waiting around and they're waiting for the prophet Samuel to come. They're waiting for him to kind of come and give word. What are they supposed to do? They're waiting for him to come and make the sacrifice unto God. Only the priest could make the sacrifice. While they're waiting, Saul says, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting on this prophet, man. I've got a knife. I'll make the sacrifice myself. That's a bad idea. So he makes the sacrifice and sure enough, guess who shows up? Samuel. You ever do something when you were a kid and you're like, your parents aren't around, they're not going to know. As soon as you did it, they show up. And you're like, uh, I don't know. This is what basically happens. Samuel comes and, and he tells Saul, he rebukes Saul. He says, God is not pleased with you. Basically, he says, your name and your family's name, your kingship is not going to last. God has sought out a man after his own heart. This is kind of, you know, where David, this is David is about to be anointed to be the king. So this is just kind of uh, what's going on. They are in a very, very bad place. Okay, so what happens is the soldiers, because they're outnumbered, because Saul, Samuel has showed up and he's basically rebuked Saul, they begin to scatter in these caves because they know these Philistines are 35,000 plus and they are going to annihilate them. So we pick up in the story, Israel, they're in the caves. The Philistines are raiding the neighboring villages. They're taking all the weapons and they're planning on destroying the Philistines. 
When we come to chapter 14, the Bible says in the previous chapter that there was only two, two swords in all of Israel. Saul had a sword and his son Jonathan had a sword. Listen, this isn't a very good uh, idea to go into a war when you only have two swords, okay? All the other uh, people basically just have farm tools is what the Bible says. The Bible says basically that there was no blacksmiths in all of Israel. You would say, why are there no blacksmiths in Israel? Well, the reason is if you control, uh, you know, a group of people, if they can't have weapons, they're not going to overthrow you. Are you following me here? So Israel is the picture I'm trying to paint. They're in caves. They're outnumbered. They don't have any weapons. That's the situation that we come into in chapter 14. Thank God that Jonathan decided to do what he decided to do. Amen? He decided to do something about his situation. Now, uh, I want us to look at several things that jump out to me in this story because I think these points are going to help us right now as we come into a new year. Listen, I want you to think about your kids again. When they open that special present, they are ready to go. They are ready to play. They are ready to seize the day. And in the same manner, I feel, again, that God is calling us to seize 2019. I think God is calling us to go after it. I think God is calling us to run. I think God is calling us to have faith. I think God is calling us to believe for great things to happen. I believe that this is a year to have fruit in our life. I believe this is a year that God is going to move greatly in our family and in our marriages. Amen? I don't want 2019 to be like 2018 in some areas. How about you? I want this to be a clean slate. I want this to be a year that God, after this year, looks at me and he's pleased because I did what he wanted me to do. Listen, I feel like a lot of times as Christians, however, even though God is calling us to go and he's calling us to listen to him, he's calling us to follow him and to obey and to have faith and to trust him. I feel like a lot of times we get in this mindset of I'll just do it tomorrow. Man, I'm just going to follow God tomorrow. And we know how that works out. Tomorrow becomes tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And it's like these things that God has placed in our heart to do. Read the Bible. Pray more. Help this person. Go to this person. It's like we've just pushed these things to the side. You know, sometimes Whitney and I will go to Shreveport. And, and it always, it's always funny to me if we go to Joe's Crab Shack, you'll see the sign out, free crabs tomorrow. Newsflash, it's not tomorrow. It's never. <laughs> and, and I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we know God wants us to do something and we get in this mindset, man, I'll just do it tomorrow. And I think the enemy, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to just really have a, he knows we have a passion, but we just kind of push it to the side. I'm here to encourage you. This is the year, the things that you've pushed to the side, we're gonna do those things this year, amen? We're gonna do what God's called us to do. We're gonna witness to people this year. We're gonna pray this year. We're gonna seek God this year. We're gonna give this year. We're gonna see God move in our families this year, right? So simply, what I wanna do for the next few moments is I wanna look at five things that stand out to me in this story that I believe are gonna help us right now. Listen, in just a few, really a day and a half or so, it's gonna be a new year. 2019 is here, whether you like it or not. And the truth of the matter is, if we are deliberate and intentional this year, God is going to do great things in your life. He really is. So uh, hopefully God uh, is going to use this message to spark something. So look at, we're going to look at five things. The first thing that jumps out to me in this story is that Jonathan decided to do something. Look at your neighbor and say, decided. That's the key word, decided. I want you to think again about the situation that Israel is in. They're outnumbered, only have two swords, are living in caves. This is a bad predicament. Have you ever been in a bad predicament before? Man, don't have any money in the bank. 
My job is not working out like I thought. My car is upside down. Are you following me? Like we've been in bad predicaments before. The thing about Jonathan, however, is he decided he was going to do something about the bad situation that he was in. No one else has a sword. We're outnumbered. And my dad put us in this bad situation. Most people would stop right there. My life stinks, my dad stinks, I don't have any money, no relationship prospects, blah, 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 but not Jonathan. Jonathan had an idea. I have a sword, I know how to fight, I'm brave, I trust God, I'm going to do something about the situation that I'm in. I'm at least going to go over there to these Philistines and I'm going to check some stuff out. Are you following me? Listen, and him going over there and deciding he wasn't just going to sit around, put him in a position to be greatly used by God. I want to be greatly used by God in 2019. See, the fact of him just getting up and moving eventually got him into a place that God would bring a great victory for him and for Israel. I want you to contrast this to Saul. What did we just read about Saul? What do we see Saul doing when we first read uh, those verses? Saul is just sitting there. He is doing nothing, right? He's in the same situation of Jonathan, but Jonathan actually does something about his situation. Saul is just sitting there. It's a picture of complacency. It's a picture of quitting. It's a picture of just giving up. Jonathan is not a better fighter than Saul, okay? Saul has a sword as well. It wasn't talent, it was desire, and it was a decision. I'm here to tell you, in 2019, if you have a desire and you make a decision, God can do great things in your life. If you have a desire and you'll make a decision, God can move greatly in your life. Without passion, without zeal, and without a decision, you know, we're not going to do anything. I really feel there's people that are sitting in these seats today that God has put something inside of you, a burden inside of you. You want to help people. You want to do a ministry. You want to do something bigger than yourself. I'm here to tell you, you can do it if you have desire and you'll make a decision. If you'll start to move, God is going to bless you. Amen? If you will move, God is going to bless you. I want to encourage some people today to decide that this new year is going to be a year moving forward. Maybe in 2018 you got knocked down. This is your year to take your sword and get back up and do something amazing for God. Maybe moving forward for you right now means forgiving somebody or getting on a budget or looking for a job or or taking college classes or again or going through the connect class or beginning to give or serve. I don't know, but this is a season that, that you can begin to take steps forward. I'm not saying, you know, go take a huge leap or jump over the Grand Canyon. I'm saying take a small step forward. Do you know that God has given every single person in here gifts and talents and abilities? God has greatly equipped every single person in here. The question is not, do I have talents and gifts and abilities? The question is, am I using those? This is a season to use what God has placed inside of you. That passion that you have for those kids or for that that deal or that ministry, man, this is the year that God wants to, to bring something to fruition. This is the year that God wants you to use what he's already giving you. Listen, move forward. Look at your neighbor and say, move forward. Maybe you've been hurt this past year, but you're gonna decide to move forward. You're in debt, but you're gonna make some decisions and you're going to move forward. Maybe 2018 hasn't really been a year that you've been praying and seeking God. That's okay. This is a year to start doing that and move forward. Maybe God, again, has put a ministry on your heart to help people move forward with that. 
This is not a year to sit back. This is a year to decide it and then do it. Can we do that? Let's go. Let's do this. This is our life. We can do something amazing this year. Here's the second thing that jumps out to me is Jonathan didn't tell anybody. So I don't tell anybody. You know, we live in a culture today, I think we know this, that's very social media driven, right? It really is. Over the last 10 years, man, things have just changed. I mean, it's like everybody has Facebook and Instagram and all this, you know, I have it. You know, my grandma was here first service. She's got Facebook. Donald Trump is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. He needs to hold back a little bit, you know, but everybody's got it. Did you know 2 billion people are on Facebook? 2 billion. There's 300 million people in America. There's over 100 million people a month that are on Instagram. There's people in third world countries that don't have running water that are on Facebook. Are you following me? Like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, it's all about what people are doing or they're about to do or what they think or what their feelings are or what, you know, they think about, you know, politics. The Republicans are terrible. The Democrats are terrible. Obama's terrible. Trump is terrible. You know what I mean? And it's all about, I'm about to, you know, go to the gym. I'm going to take my picture and I'm going to do this and that. It's a way to connect. It's a way to talk to people. It's a way to get your thoughts out there. What I find interesting when I read this story about Jonathan is he didn't tell anybody what he was about to do. He's not like on his way and he takes like a selfie and posts it. He's like, hey, should I go this? Should I go kill some Philistines today? You know, check yes or no. I'm going to take a poll. You know what I mean? Should I use my sword or spirit? What should I do? No, man. He just went and did it. God told him to do something and he goes and did it. He goes and, and does it. You know, I feel like we live in a world again that's all about look at me, look at me. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with social media. Take your picture, take a picture of your kids. You know, all that stuff is amazing. But what I am saying is sometimes we just need to do our thing and not worry about everybody else. Sometimes we just need to do what God wants us to do and not worry about everything. Sometimes I feel it, not even knowing it, we can live our whole life completely focused on what other people think about us. From what we wear, to what job we have, to who we date, to how we raise our kids, to what we buy, to where we go to college, to where we work. And we're so focused about what everybody thinks about us. And sometimes without knowing it, we can allow these people to dictate our life and not God. Man, there's good people out there. There's good people that have, you know, good input and good advice. But I'm telling you, it's not as good as God's. Some of us, we just need to isolate ourselves for a season and say, man, what you do is great and your, and your thoughts on what I should do is great, man, and I respect it and I honor you, but I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. I'm gonna raise my family how God wants me to raise my family. I'm gonna buy the car that I can afford, come on. I'm gonna wear what I feel like I should wear. I'm gonna raise my family and have my marriage how I feel God wants me to have my marriage. I feel like so many times we're just looking around and we're looking at a culture and we're allowing a culture to dictate how we live our life. But the Bible says we should be the ones that dictate the culture. We should look a little bit different, not just in how we dress, but we should act a little bit different. And that's not talking about walking around and just holding a Bible and acting all holy roller, but it's called, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit and where the Holy Spirit leads me, I'm going to go. You know, and I feel like in my own life, I feel like in my own life, it's a struggle constantly because there's TV, there's the internet, there's everything that's trying to tell me how to live, how to act, how to raise my kids. You know, like I said, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. You can't leave your kids alone for five minutes just watching TV. You can't. 
You can't give your kid the phone to just watch a Mickey Mouse cartoon without an ad popping up that you don't want your kids to see. I'm here to tell you there's a culture that wants to destroy you and wants to destroy me, but we're called to be in it, but not of it. How do we do that? I'll tell you, we seek God. And what God says, we do, amen? What God tells you to do, do you have enough faith and obedience to do what God wants you to do? It's easy to be in church and hear great messages from Pastor John and be inspired, but when you get to your job and your life and at your house, are you gonna live how God wants you to live or are you gonna be conformed to the world? You know, I, I love just people in the Bible and inspirational people in the Bible and, and I, I love reading about them and, and, and I love reading about people that aren't in the Bible. And a person that I've been kind of looking at for the last few months is Mother Teresa. I think we would all agree that she lived a life dedicated to other people. You know, I was reading a story about her, kind of her life story. When she was 18, she joined uh, the nunnery or the convent, whatever it's called. And, and she, you know, she submitted her life to God. And for 10 years, she was a teacher. She worked in, you know, Catholic schools. And she just had a good setup. She was doing what she felt God wanted her to do. Well, when she's about 30 years old, I think she got this call to go to the slums of Calcutta to minister to the least of these. The problem is that the people that her church didn't want her to go. For about two years, she's lobbying and telling them, I got to go. God's called me to go. And they were saying, why would you want to go? You've got a good setup. You're helping people here. But she was saying, there's something on the inside. God has told me to go to the poorest people in Calcutta and give my life to it. Finally, she got to go. And, and, you know, 50 or 60 years of doing that, you have people whose lives were changed. Their, her life pointed to Christ. You have, you know, schools that were built. You have uh, nursing homes. All these things that happened. She ministered to the lepers. Are you following me? It's not that one is better than the other. But when God calls me to do something, I have a responsibility to do it. You know, I had Anissa stand up all ago, man. She has had a good life, good job, just adopted five kids. But the problem is God said, go to Haiti. And you can either listen to God and do what God says, or you can regret not doing what God says for the rest of your life. Listen, 2018 is basically over. I want 2019 to be a year that I don't regret not doing what God asked me to do. This is a year that can be new. Everything that happened in 2018, it's over. This is going to be a year that I do what God wants me to do. And if nobody else agrees with it, then shame on them. I'm going to follow God. Amen? We can do it. Here's the next point. It's super simple. In the story, Jonathan sought to do the will of the Lord. Jonathan wanted to do the will of the Lord. He wanted to follow God. How do we seek the will of the Lord? How many people want God's will to happen in your life? Let me tell you a secret. You want to seek the will of the Lord? You want the will of the Lord to happen in your life? Seek the Lord. If you will seek the Lord, God's will is automatically going to come. You know, I talk to a lot of people, I don't want to miss God's will. I don't want to miss God's will. If you will pray and seek God, you're not going to miss God's will. You're going to walk right into it. My question to us this morning is, are we seeking the Lord right now? If we're to be honest, most professing Christians, we love God, we care about God, we worship God, but a lot of times we don't seek him. The Bible calls us to seek the Lord, amen? You know, most professing Christians, I read this article the other day, at least in America, they spend less than two minutes a day connecting with God. You know, most people, this article went on to say, most people have, you know, smartphones and they get the, you know, the verse of the day and they read the verse of the day and they may pray over their meals and, and things are busy and they're crazy. And before they fall asleep, they may pray for a minute. Listen, that's good, but God is calling us to seek him. Because when we seek him, what happens? 
we find him. You know, how, how many people uh, remember playing hide and go seek when you were a kid? Maybe you got kids. If you haven't, it's a fun game. You should try it out. Uh, Google it. It's fun. No, we all we didn't know what I'm talking about. My, my son, he's this elaborate hider. And, and a few times Whitney and I have had to just yell through the house after 10 minutes of not finding him. We're going to call the cops if you don't come out. Like, did somebody steal you? We don't know what happened, okay? You know, but seeking, it, it, you have to put a little effort into it. There's a little dedication. And if I'm to be honest, there's been seasons of my life where I haven't really sought after God. I love God, I care for God, but I made decisions about my life and about my family and about my marriage without seeking God. And you know what happens when we don't seek God? Not the best. Some of you are living a good life, but maybe it's not the best because we're not seeking him. You know, this is what happened to Saul. Saul was not seeking God. I, I'm just going to go into battle. I'm just going to declare war. You know, I hope it works out. I'm, he was just winging it. Are you following me? Have you ever just like wong it before? Is that a word, wong it? <laughs> Wing it? Have you ever just said, I hope it works out? You know what I mean? I just hope it works out. I can remember in high school, you know, I, 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 the teacher would assign, you know, a test. And I'm like, I'm just going to wing it, no problem. I don't need to study. I got this stuff. And I get my paper back. And I'm like, that was a bad idea. <laughs> if you're a student in here, don't wing it or wong it, all right? Here's the problem. That's funny, but a lot of us in our life right now, we're winging it. We're winging our marriage. We're winging our family. We're winging our job. We just kind of hope it works out. And then we wonder where God is in, in our marriage or family or work. I'm here to say God is right where we left God. If you will be intentional about your marriage, about your family, about your career, about your finances, I'm telling you, God will give you a plan. And that plan, if it's executed, it will work out. That's the Bible. It's a blueprint for how to live our life. And if you will follow it, you will have success and you'll have fulfillment and you'll have fruit in your life and you'll have peace in your home. If you don't, you're just winging it. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. I don't want to risk something so valuable, right? I want to follow after God. Come on, this is a year that we don't have to wing it. This is a year that we can seek after God and God's going to show us what to do. You know, I talked about, you know, Gabe, when we play hide and go seek, my daughter is completely opposite. When we say we're going to play hide and go seek and I start to count, my daughter falls right on the floor, right in front of me and puts a blanket over herself. And as soon as I say, ready or not, here I come, you know what she does? She throws the blanket up and she says, here I am. <laughs> Listen, God is not trying to put you on a wild goose chase. The Bible says when we seek him, we're going to find him. If you will seek God, you're going to find him. You may say, I don't know how to do it. If you will begin to just pray, you're going to find God and he will lead you. Every one of us in here, we're on different, different paths. We have different things that are happening in our life. We have different you know, roads and races that we're running. But the truth of the matter is, if we will seek him, even just a little bit, you will begin to find him. And when you find him, you want to seek him more. You want to seek him more. You wonder how people are so fired up for God and you're not fired up for God. They just began seeking God. And they found him and God did something amazing. This can be the year that you seek him. The next point that jumps out to me, and I'm going to move fast, is this. It goes along with the earlier one, but what have we done lately? You know, I can remember in college, we played a football game and we won. It was a big rivalry game. We barely pulled it off. It was on a Saturday. The next couple uh, practice days, Monday and Tuesday, we just had bad practices. 
We were just happy that we won the game. We were lackadaisical. People were showing late to practice and late to meetings. We weren't executing. Wednesday before practice, the coach called an all-team meeting, which we never had on Wednesdays. And he said, listen, guys, we won a big game a few days ago. But the last two days in practice, man, we have not practiced well. And he said, what have we done lately? And he wasn't just like being mean to us, but he was wanting us to refocus. I think 2019 is a year to refocus. When we look at King Saul and we think about King Saul, King Saul is forever remembered as a bad king. Disobedient, didn't follow God, he was prideful. But we realize he always wasn't like that. He was chosen to be the king. He followed God, he loved God. The Bible says on multiple occasions that he prophesies. But what happened along the way, somehow he quit following God like he was. And he quit doing great things. You know, when this story takes place, it's only two years into his reign as a king. And somehow between being king and those two years, he lost his passion and his zeal for God. He got prideful, he got complacent, he got lazy, and he never got it back. The saddest thing to me is seeing people who used to be, you know, so in love with God and so fired up for God. Something happens and they kind of lose that fire and that zeal. It's so sad to me. I see people who used to disciple people and who used to, you know, serve, who used to just read their Bible and something has happened and they don't do it anymore. They've checked out. I'm telling you, 2019 is a year. If you've checked out, it's okay. Check back in. If 2018 was a year that you were just distracted, can we be honest? We all get distracted. All of us get distracted. TV, hobbies, social media, work, family, you know, these things are not bad, but if we're keeping us from God, this is a year to prioritize our life. God has to be at the top. This is a year to reconnect. I have a question for us today to ponder. Is there evidence of faith in your life lately? You know, I know you read the Bible through, you know, a few years ago. I know you went on a mission trip four or five years ago. I know you gave to that missionary a few months ago, but are we being obedient right now to what God's asked us to do? See, our works don't save us, praise God, but our works show our faith. James says this, faith without works is dead. Our works show our faith. For some of us, 2018, we are a little stagnant with God. The good news is 2018 is almost over and 2019 can be a year that we connect with God like never before. It can be a year that we spend time with God. It can be a year that we pray. It can be a year that we worship. It can be a year that we read our Bibles and we serve. This is the year to get back in the game. Let me tell you, there's some people in here that God has given you passions and burdens for different things in our city and around the world. This is the year to start moving forward and doing those things. Listen, this is the year to help people. This is the year to serve our community. Listen, this is the year that we can invite people into our house and we can break bread with people who don't have anything. This is the year that we can talk about the Bible to our coworkers. This is the year that we can pray for people, amen? This is the year that we can gather our family every night and we can have Bible studies and prayer because I think that pleases the Lord. 2018 was whatever it was, but this is a new year. And however you want it to be, it can be. I thank God for that. Right now is the year to do it. Right now is the year that you can be as close to God as you want to. Or it can be a year that we look back in a year and we say, I was stagnant, I was lazy. We can move forward this year, amen? Let's do it. Here's the last point I want our, our band to come up. Can you give it up for our band right there? How many people think Zach's doing an amazing job? Yeah, with this sweet peacoat on. 
Listen, our final point today is really the whole reason I wanted to preach this message. It's the last thing that jumps out to me. Against all odds, Jonathan never gave up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. As I said earlier, this Israelite army, they're in a bad situation. They're stuck in caves, no weapons, outnumbered. Their leader is not being the leader he's called to be. But what I love about the story is Jonathan did not give up. Listen, it would have been easy for him to give up. In fact, it would have been expected for him to give up. His dad's given up, the army's given up, they're scattered, not Jonathan. And because Jonathan was unwilling to give up, God brought the victory. Listen to verse four. Going back to chapter 14, verse four, it says this, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sine. It's interesting what these words mean in the Hebrew. Bozes, it means mud or bog. And sine, sine means thorns. So what did Jonathan have to go through to get victory? He had to go through some mud and he had to go through some thorns. Listen, if you read a commentary about kind of what's going on here, it's a picture of Jonathan and his armor bearer crawling a good distance to get to these Philistines. And they're crawling through mud and through thorns. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem very pleasant. I was in the woods a couple days ago and I was muddy and I got cut up by thorns. But I'm telling you, because he did not give up, he got the victory. Amen? Amen. If you will keep going and if you will not give up, I'm telling you, God's going to bring you victory. For some of you in here, 2018, it was a year of hurt. It was a year of pain. It was a year of tragedy. It was a year of heartbreak. But I'm here to tell you, if you will keep moving, God is not going to give up on you and you're going to get the victory. I wish we didn't have to go through it. I wish there weren't thorns and mud sometimes, but the fact of the matter is there are. And if we will keep moving, God's going to bring a victory because God's not going to let you down. If you will keep moving, you're going to see victory. You know, a lot of us in here, you know, over the last 14 or 15 months, I've been on dialysis. And if it's taught me anything, it's taught me if you have to crawl through thorns or mud to get victory, man, that's what you do. The only thing, the only thing that the enemy has on us or can have on us is when we stop. And I know what happened to you was tough and I know it was hard and I know it was frustrating but listen, this is your opportunity to move forward. Even if you have to crawl, God is going to do breakthrough in your life if you will move forward. Amen? And even though God didn't cause these bad things to happen, God does not waste anything. God will use that situation that you're going through to do a lot of things. It's going to build faith and perseverance in your life. But ultimately, it's going to point to Him because nobody else helped you get through it. It wasn't your friend. It wasn't the self-help book. It wasn't Dr. Phil. It was God. And when you get through, you might have some scrapes and you may be muddy, but God's going to get the victory. Listen, I'm believing that this is a year, 2019, a year of victory. And you're going to get victory if you will not give up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not giving up. Listen, if you will decide to move forward, if this is a year that you'll decide to seek Him, if this is a year that you're not gonna give up, I'm telling you, you're gonna get victory in your life. Let's stand on our feet today. Can we give God some praise? Amen. You know, I really believe it. If you're like me, there's a few things in my life that I need victory over. I need victory in my body. I want victory in my family. I want to go to another level in everything. 
It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how bad you messed up. This is a new season. If you have air in your lungs and blood in your veins, God still has you here for such a time as this. Seize the day. Let's go for it. Amen? Why not? We're here. Let's throw our hands up today. Lord, we love you. God, I pray today that you would help us. God, we don't, some of the time, we don't even know what we're doing, but we know that we need you. God, would you direct our steps? Would you give us wisdom? Would you show us how to live? Lord, I pray that this is a year of victory. Victory in our family, victory in our finances, victory in marriages. God, victory in the ministry that you called us to do because we're all called to minister. Lord, I pray victory in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray this is a year that we seek you. This is a year that we lay burdens and sin down. This is a year, God, that you do amazing things in our life. God, grant us grace and obedience to follow you. We love you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Listen, our prayer team is coming up now. Every week, we love the opportunity to pray with you. But maybe particularly you have a prayer need. You need victory in an area of your life. Listen, we don't just ask people to come up for prayer because it's just, you know, something that we want to do or something that we're just supposed to do. We believe in these altars, miracles can happen if we'd agree together, agree together. Listen, but maybe you're in this place and and you have a bigger problem than just a health issue or a financial issue. You have a soul issue. Listen to me for a moment. Maybe you're away from God right now. Maybe the biggest need that you have is you need to be saved. The Bible says that we're separated from God because of our sin. All of us have sinned. The Bible says there's only one way to get back to God, and that's through Jesus. It's through, number one, repenting of our sin. God, I'm turning from that sin. I'm, I'm walking away from it. That's what repentance is. And it's second, it's believing in Jesus, accepting Jesus as Lord. You know, if you look at, at the Greek word for belief, it connotates following and trusting and obeying. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, when you're saying, I believe in Jesus, you're committing, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus. If you're in this place today and you've never done those things, what you need going into 2019 is you need salvation. And friend, the good news is God will save you. If you're in this place and you say, I need to repent of my sins and turn towards Christ, I want you to raise your hand real quick and I'll pray with you. It's hard to see up here. If that's you, Listen, I see a couple people over here. Give it up for Jesus one time. Listen, if that's you, you can meet someone right over here at the cross. We want to pray with you. Listen, if you didn't raise your hand and you needed to, the Bible says confess your sins and believe in Jesus. You can do that right where you are and he'll forgive you and he'll save you. Amen. Let's worship God for a moment. Let's connect with him. Prayer team is up here. If you need prayer, God bless you today.